Infant Adoption Guide Podcast, episode number 14, an adoption story with Lisa Hamilton. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide Podcast. My name is Tim Elder. I'm an adoptive dad and founder of InfantAdoptionGuide.com. So I welcome you to this podcast that is all about domestic infant adoption. And it's here to give you the resources and the inspiration and to just really help you get through the journey, shorten the time, decrease the cost, all the things that uh, you need to and want to do to become the mom and dad that you want to be. So thanks for joining me. I really have had fun bringing you the first 13 episodes. We're already on episode 14. And uh, I look at, as we begin the new year in 2014, I look forward to bringing a lot more episodes to you. So uh, I appreciate all the feedback and um, the nice emails and everything that everybody's been sending me. So I appreciate that very much. And uh, I just wanted to quickly give you an idea of, of who I am. If you have not heard this before, I'm an adoptive dad of two. Uh, my wife and I adopted them as newborns in 2007 and, and in 2012. And if you would, if you want to learn more about me, I did have an episode um, dedicated to my first, our story through our first two adoptions back in episode 12. So if you go to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 12, it'll bring you to uh, my wife and I's adoption story through two, our first two adoptions. I also have a couple of resources that I'd like to share with you on my website, um, I have a a video, a quick video there, two minute video on the main page that'll just show you where to go first. But the the main part of where to go is where it says start here now on the top of the page. uh, You can just click that uh, heading there and it'll bring you to all the blog posts broken down into different categories of places that will help you and things like adoption agencies and adoption costs and profiles and even just how to start your adoption journey. So I invite you to go there and I also invite you to check out my latest blog post. It's 12 reasons why you need a local adoption support group. Really had fun putting that together and it's, it's really an awesome resource to uh, figure out why really a local support group could help you through the journey. And it's helped a lot of people. So I hope you get a chance to check that out. Uh, anyway, this episode is all about an adoption story. And Lisa Hamilton is an adoptive mom. She's here today to share with us her story, a domestic infant adoption story. So let's get right into that with Lisa Hamilton. Okay, everybody, I have on the line with me Lisa Hamilton, who is an adoptive mom, a runner, and a self-proclaimed happiness junkie, which I love that term. And she's going to explain to us today her adoption story. And welcome, Lisa, to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. Thank you, Tim. Hi, everyone. It's so happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. I, I love talking about adoption stories, and uh, so I'm really curious to hear all about yours. And I, first question I have for you is just, how long did you think about adoption before you jumped in, or when did adoption come onto the scene for you as part of a way to build your family? We started thinking, well, I, let, me, let me start by going back a bit. I've always thought of adoption as a way to build my family. 
And I know for many people that adoption is a second choice after they've been unable to have a child of their own. But for me, it was a first choice. I grew up with two foster brothers and I saw what being able to provide a family for someone who was looking a family for a family could do and I wanted to do that as well. So for me, adoption was always a first choice. We started the process or thinking about adoption in August, September of 2010 and then in October of 2010 was when we went to our first meeting. So during August and September, we were sort of discussing it and then decided, yes, this is the direction that we want to go in, um, debating whether we were going to adopt a newborn or maybe an older child or out of the foster care system. And we got all of those resolved that we would do a newborn and started looking at different agencies and then had our first meeting in 2010 of October. What what inspired you to to decide to adopt a newborn rather than an older child? I've been drawn more actually to older children because the foster brothers that I grew up with, the one we got when he was 15 years old, and then he requested that we take his brother as well, who was six years old at the time. And I know that there are a lot of older children that are looking for homes, so I've got a real so soft spot for them and was really drawn to adopting or taking in an older child. But my boyfriend really wanted to be there from the start. You know, he wanted to raise one from scratch, if you will. So after discussing with him, we decided to go with a newborn. Awesome. Well, that's all what we're all about on this podcast and on the website is uh, infant adoption. So your story fits right in here. And I, did you have any concerns about um, bonding with a baby or anything like that? Or do, have you heard about any attachment issues or, or did you talk through that uh, with your agency before you adopted? I hadn't talked with it with my agency and I had heard about bonding and attachment issues, but I had heard about them not because of adoption, but a bonding and attachment issues in general, that even biological parents have issues with bonding and attaching to their children. So I didn't see it as being any more because the child was adopted. And for me, it wasn't really uh, a concern for me. I think that well, this was my first child, and just the overwhelming idea of that was enough to cause any concerns I might have had about bonding to be diminished. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it is true. I think it gets kind of overblown sometimes, the whole bonding and attachment issues, because you're right, that even biological children, you could have a, a a problem with that and it's it is what it is you you have a baby there and you're you're there to take care of the baby and to love them and nurture them and you know i think the bonding and the attachment comes with that yes yes and, and you hope that the bond and the attachment is formed and i'm not sure i think there's a certain number of weeks where they say there are range where that that generally happens but it's biological parents experience the same issue with mm -hmm. bonding and and attaching Awesome. When you started and, well, you said you got an adoption agency. Did How easy was it to pick your adoption agency? I wasn't really sure what to look for in an agency. 
and just starting sort of with this blank canvas and just throwing darts out there. You know, do I do an international agency? Do I do one that is local? You know, do I do one that is in another state? Uh, just all sorts of things to consider when looking for an agency. And I think all in all, I contacted about four of them, three or four of them, and some of them had requirements that we just simply didn't fit into. You know, for example, I contacted one that was more religious-based, and they required you to be married in order to adopt from that agency, and my boyfriend and I were not married. So that, uh, you know, took any one of the ones that had that as one of their requirements off the list. And we ended up going with one that was local, and I looked at the reviews. It had got received positive reviews, and they welcomed adoptive parents from all different combinations, single parents, single persons that wanted to be parents, same-sex couples, couples that were living together but not married, and we knew that that was the agency for us. Yep. And so you attended one of their informational meetings and got the ball started. You started your home study process. Did that feel really overwhelming to start down that path? It did. It felt like it was going to take you know, forever, you know, in looking at the paperwork and the amount of, yeah, the amount of paperwork that we had to do. It just was overwhelming and seemed like a process that would take forever. Not only the informational meetings that we had to go to, but also the educational meetings as well. And then putting together the profile you know, for the adoption, we did an open adoption and then shooting videos as well in case the birth mother wanted to actually hear our voices and see some of our mannerisms. It just seemed like a process that was going to take forever. Really cool. I'm, I'm glad you did the video. I've I think it's becoming more of a, a practice among adoptive couples to to make that. And I think it's very important because birth mothers get to see a whole different side of you before they meet you in person. If they ever get to meet you in person, they get to see that side of you and um, the next best thing to being live. So was that pretty cool? Did your the birth mother really enjoy the videos or did she watch them? No, I, it never got to that point for us. Okay. And I thank God because I was actually so nervous you know, on that video. So it's funny that you say they get to see you, but it was like I was only like a shell of myself because I was so nervous and I couldn't remember anything that I wanted to say. I was tripping over my ner my words and I was shaking while I was sitting there and I was like, this is just not good. You know, I look much better on paper, <laughs> you know, so I really couldn't allow myself to shine through on the video because I was just so nervous about it. Interesting. But it never got to that point for us, but they still wanted it on file in case the birth mother requested it. Yeah. So how long did it take you from say, so you got your, you started with your agency, you got your home study started working. How long did it take till you were matched with that birth mother? It did not take long at all. A matter of fact, our waiting time was about one day. I was working on our profile and putting it together and getting ready to send it to the agency. And I think this was on a Monday when I put it in the mail. And that afternoon, that Monday afternoon, the agency called and they said that they had two birth mothers that they wanted to show our profile to. And, uh, you know, um, and I said, that's fine. I had just put it in the mail. So they asked me if I could email it to them. So I went ahead and did that. 
and on Wednesday we were contacted and said you were picked. That is amazingly fast. Probably one of the fastest ones I've ever heard of. So were your were your head just spinning at that point? I mean, did you ever imagine that it could go that fast? Oh, sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Okay, um, what was the question? Oh, no, yeah, I was just saying how that's so amazing how fast that was. Was your head just spinning that it was that fast? Yes, it was. I was literally in the car and I was on the way home and I and um, you know, she said that uh, can you email it? I emailed it and 2 days later she called back and said you were picked and then asked if we wanted our profile I guess the other birth mother they was going to be shown to was going to be shown to on the Friday, you know, but we were picked Wednesday. And she said this was like in February. And she says, by the way, the baby is due in March. So it was very quick. So we started September of 2010 discussing it. In October, we went to our first meeting. And then in February, I emailed my profile to the agency and in we were picked two days later, and in March he was born. Wow, that is congratulations! Of 2011, <laughs> so it was very quick. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's everybody's dream right there. I think is to <laughs> to be uh, placed that fast. Do you have any conversations with the birth mother prior to your son being born? Yes, we met her at a restaurant. And it was, she just absolutely fantastic and parenting one child and 21 years old and putting herself through school and working full time and, you know, really wanted to create a better life for this little guy and also herself and the child that she is parenting. Yeah. So the other nice thing was that it was close, right? I mean, she was, she must be living close to you or at least in the same town or close proximity. Yes. Yes, it's local. So that saved some more time and expense of having to to travel. So you had talked with the birth mother and you were discussing open adoptions things and like where, how she wanted you, if she wanted you there in the delivery room and all that. Yes, I mean, that eventually came up and she was perfectly fine with that. Uh, You know, I just can't speak enough about her just so happy to have her as a birth mother and so grateful that you know she chose us to be a part of his life and so you have these discussions with the birth mother and i believe you told me she wanted you there in the delivery room and you were there in the delivery room well right? i was there i wanted to be there you know is it, really what it is and that was uh you know really a fantastic experience so i said if i you know would like to be there in there in the delivery room with her and she had no problem with it so you know, when it came time to deliver, you know, I was there just holding her hand and, you know, ended up being a C-section and, you know, it was just a fantastic experience, almost indescribable because when they pulled her, him out of her, you know, she just looked at me and she said his name, but it was the name of my boyfriend. So she was just so committed to Mm. us being the ones that she wanted to raise us, that even as they were delivering him, she was referring to him as our child. Wow. And was there a lot of emotion? I can imagine there was a lot of emotion at that point when he's being delivered, you're in there holding her hand. Uh, I can just imagine how amazing that would have felt. 
it, it was amazing. I was really trying to soak it all in, but in some ways I couldn't because I had been so sleep deprived from the entire process and it was so overwhelming and we were becoming instant parents. And, you know, it was turned out to be like around 10 at night that he was delivered, but we had been at the hospital all day. So there were a lot of things that were going on that I don't, that think that I was able to really, uh, you know, experience it in the same way that I would have had I been, you know, rested and not so much had been going on leading up to it. But I didn't want the experience to pass me by and made sure I was as present as I could be considering, you know, everything that I was going through. Absolutely. And because she had a C-section, that meant she stayed in the hospital a little bit longer. Did, did you get the baby placed with you before she was able to go home from the hospital or how did that work? No, uh, she stayed in the hospital for three days after his birth and she actually cared for him during that time. And and that time I was feeling a little bit anxious that Mm -hmm. she might change her mind because with open adoption, they have, they can change their mind at any point in the hospital. And then I think after they have 30 days where they can change their mind. And then of course the legal, legal, you know, the finalization of the adoption happens, you know, close to a year later than that. So the time that she was spending with him for those three days that she was in the hospital and caring for him and feeding him and changing it with him and bonding with him, you know, all of those kinds of things, I was a little bit nervous that she might change her mind because she had, you know, at any point the opportunity to do that. And she just kept telling us that she wasn't going to change her mind. She just literally kept saying that I'm not going to change her mind. And she just kept reassuring us that she wouldn't, but you never know in these things, you know? And, but, uh, you know, she was just committed that she wanted him to have a life with us and she followed through on it and she cared about him enough to take such good care of him while she was pregnant. I mean, I just, can't, like I said before, I just can't speak enough about her. I mean, she had prenatal care. I mean, no, I mean, very healthy baby, no drugs, no alcohol. I mean, took fantastic care of him while she carried him. Amazing. Love this. And then loved him enough to give him something that she wasn't able to provide. Yes. That's amazing. And you're in, in Pennsylvania, correct? Yes. Yeah. So every state is a little bit different on the amount of time they get to they have to wait to change their mind or to be able to change their mind. So that's always an anxious time. Uh, so I'm glad she was very set in her decision that, uh, but still I, I understand how you could have some anxiety there just until sure, that you time never happens. Know until it's done. Yeah. You never know until it's done. And there could be, it could have been anything that happened along the way that decided that, you know, she might could have had second thoughts about it, you know, but I'm glad that she, she didn't. And even the way that I look at raising him is that that we're his parents and we're the ones that are raising him. But nonetheless, you know, he still has all. And that's why we chose open adoption is because I felt it was very important for him to have some sort of a relationship with her if possible, you know, meaning if it, you know, it, it wasn't any harm you yeah. know, to him, to the child. So that's why we chose this is because I want him to be able to know where he came from. And if he has any questions that he's got all of these people around him that love him so much that are willing to answer those questions for him. So that's sort of my dream is that I love him enough that I want her in his life. Absolutely. So I assume she still is in his life. You have some contact ongoing contact with her. 
it, it depends when you sign up for open adoption, you can choose how many visits you want a year. Hmm. So we put down two visits a year. And the first year we saw her, I think we saw her once and then the second year once and then this year we hadn't seen her at all so it's up to her whether or not she wants to you know really use those visits or not but they're out there and uh you know i'm always happy to see her and and send pictures which i continue to do and christmas gifts on our family's behalf and on our son's behalf to his half brother who she is parenting i continue to do those sorts of things. So at this point, it's, you know, really up to her whether she wants to use the visitation or not, but it's, it's there. And the visitation is through your agency or do you guys coordinate that yourselves? No, it's done through the agency. So with the open adoption, neither one of us have the personal information of the other party. Okay. You know, so that, although you can do that, there are some open adoptions where it's full disclosure, if you right, will, right. where the adoptive parents give address, you know, phone numbers, all sorts of information to the birth mother or birth father, and it can vary. Yeah, absolutely. Open adoption is such a huge, a, almost a general term at this point, because it could be anything from, like you said, bear, just sharing some pictures and letters every now and then to having. Uh, regular visits and full open That's communication correct. and uh, knowing where everybody who's who's uh, the birth parents are their names and they know who you are your names so yeah there's a it's a right, wide variety right. there so it's and interesting now she knows our first names but not you know our last names like okay. it's specifically identifiable information it's kept confidential and then like I said we can relax on that you know and it can go either it can go um, you know to more or it can go go to less. Now it can't go to less than the two visits we committed to, you know, but what I'm saying is that, you know, maybe we want four visits or six visits yeah, or, yeah. you know, come over for Christmas and all of those <laughs> things are things that can happen if it's something that both parties want. But our initial agreement was to, for the two visits yeah, a that's, year. That's awesome. I love to hear that because I, I, I agree with you and it's very important to, if you can have that open adoption relationship, it is uh, what's best for, for your child and uh, going forward, it's it just give, provides that much more love. You said it very well. Um, a couple tips I'd like you to share, if you can, uh, specifically since you had some discussions with the birth mother before placement and now in an open adoption afterwards. What tips can you give to potential adoptive parents out there that are hoping to get matched soon and? They're preparing that they may have to talk with a birth mother at some point. Do you have any tips that you'd like to give them that could help them have a good conversation? Yeah, I was just say to be yourself is really the tip that I would give. And even the discussions that we had with the birth mother wasn't centered around adoption or the raising of the child. It was more about getting to know each other, the kinds of things that we liked. So we talked about the kinds of movies that we liked to go see, the kinds of TV shows that we watched, what we thought about certain celebrities, what kinds of activities we liked to do outdoors. And all of those things were a process of getting to know each other. So that's what our discussions were about. And the more she revealed 
you know, to us about her. And the more we revealed, we realized how similar we were, that our birth mother is actually a combination of uh, my boyfriend and I. She has characteristics of both of us. And that was really, really phenomenal to see. She's left-handed, just like my boyfriend. The way that she thinks is very similar. And there, she likes to, the fact that we are outdoors people, that was one of the things that uh, helped her make her decision, that we were the ones that uh, she wanted him to be placed with. She liked that we were outdoors. She liked that we had educations, you know, so those were the things that mattered. It wasn't necessarily about the raising of the child. It's who we were as people. Absolutely. Well said, because you never know what's, what's going to uh, connect you with a birth mother. I mean, they, like you said, she just loved the idea that you were outdoor people and you were who you were. You weren't trying to be somebody you weren't or trying to figure out what, a, quote, a typical birth mother would want to see you were just being who you were and she picked you for that. And that's, that's the important lesson I think to hopeful adoptive parents. Yes. Yes. And that's the tip that I would give is to be who you are in the profile and also to in any discussions that you have, because that's what they want to see is who you are as a, as a person. Well, I wanted to touch on, it's kind of a touchy subject, but everybody wants to know about, the money it takes to adopt, but it's also a hard topic to talk about because a lot of people feel like it's too expensive and that it should be cheaper and easier to go and adopt a newborn. But, um, so I, I like to ask adoptive families that have, that have been through it. Uh, did you exceed your adoption budget? Was it more than you thought it was? Um, or was it about what well, you expected? We didn't have, well, I'll tell you, they gave us a we knew exactly what it was going to cost because they told us, you know, it was in print, you know, and our adoption was $25,000. And that does not include all of the legal fees that went along with it as well. You know, so this was our first time, you know, doing an adoption. So we didn't have anything to really, well, the other agencies that I looked at, I could see their costs as well, Mm -hmm. you know, but this was the agency that we chose and we knew what the costs involved were ahead of time because it was all put out there for us. Well, that's good. So nothing really surprised We didn't even you. have a budget. We didn't have a budget for it. Um, I mean, we do, we do all right financially. That's the best way to put it. So, you know, we were, we were going to get, money was not going to be our, our, our issue. You know, it might have caused us, pause if it was something like $75,000, yeah. but uh, it wasn't. So you knew going into it, you're prepared that you were probably going to be spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to yes. uh, adopt the way you wanted to adopt. That's good. That's good. At least you weren't surprised and you didn't get caught off guard and wondered how you were going to be able to raise the money to... <laughs> to complete uh, the adoption and build your family. No, we didn't have to write. We, for us, it was just writing the check. I know, which kind of sounds cold when you say it, you know, which is what I was going to ask because I was also going to say too that um, it, it's just really interesting the way that there is a fee that is associated with it. And our son is a full African-American male. And even within the races, there's a fee discrepancy. And for me, as a full African-American female, it was hard to see a, diff, a different amount put on a Caucasian newborn versus an African-American one. And that still sticks in my throat a little bit. But when it's all said and done, you know, it is a business. They are there to make money, um, you know, and it, 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 there, it, there is a human life that's involved. But it was a little bit hard for me to see that. Sure. 
that, I mean, it really comes down to the business of adoption. It comes down to you have professionals you need to pay for attorneys, for social workers, people that help you match with a, with a birth mother and they talk with the birth mother, provide support to the birth mother. All those things, those people aren't just there to provide a free service. They need to, you know, they have lives to live and they have uh, ends to meet. So yeah, that's a lot of what the costs are. So yes, it is. It is. And even in, in my case with the discrepancy in fees, it's a matter of what babies are most in demand. So did your agency come out and say, well, um, African-American uh, males are uh, more in demand or less in demand? Or did they come out and say anything well, like that? I think that, um, they, it, well, it's certainly list, listed on their fee schedule, you oh, know, okay. and that there was a price difference. But I know that the reason is, is because there there are more of them that need homes, if you mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm. you know. So if the fee is less then it makes it more affordable for families to bring these children in, you know? So, I mean, it benefits the child too, but just looking at it from a number standpoint on paper, it's hard to look at from that standpoint, but it does benefit the child because it's, there are more of these children that need homes. Understood. Yeah. That's, it's a hard concept to wrap your brain around. That's for sure. Well, if you, it, I like to ask this question uh, towards the end here, but uh, if you could wave a magic wand, make something in the adoption process better, I mean, in your case, you really had a, a really quick match and a, a really awesome story with uh, not a lot of hardships, which is great. Congratulations for that. Uh, uh, but based on what you've seen and been through, if you could wave a mag- magic wand and make something in the process better, what would that be? Yeah, the one thing that I would make better, at least for us, is the communication between the agency and the hospital, you know, could be better, at least in our situation. So it seemed that the hospital that our son was delivered at didn't know how to handle adoption cases. So that made it very difficult for us when we came to to visit the birth mother and to visit him you know, as far as trying to get access into the hospital and it could have been a lot easier had they had some dialogue and put a process in place to handle adoption situations. And I think hospitals generally have a social worker at the location that deals with that, but it was a mess in our situation. So that was sort of the only kink if you will. Sure. Yeah. I've heard that too. And in fact, I've experienced that on our last adoption. We've the same way that we, they had a social worker in the hospital, but she was not up on the, <laughs> how the adoption <laughs> process worked. And she, I mean, she was doing her job. She was being an advocate for the birth mother. And I applaud that, but she was not on board with how we were, where we were and why we were there. And, uh, it was like you said, it was a mess and it was a little bit difficult to work through, but in the end it worked out. Okay. Yes, yes. And I don't even know if we actually met with the social worker. I mean, just the whole, and that's why I say the hospital. I mean, somebody was not talking to somebody else. That's all I know. And it was a big mess. So I don't know who was supposed to be talking to each other, you know, but that's kind of something the agency should have had sorted yes. out be- beforehand. So if you could give a somebody, uh, say, uh, there's people listening to this that are going through the adoption process and they're like, wow, how do we, how do we avoid that? 
what would you suggest that they talk to their agency ahead of time and say, okay, are you, you're going to be communicating with the hospital, right? They're going to know everything they need to know, right? Or what yes. would you suggest? I mean, that's, that's the best that you can do, yeah. you know, and then the agency has to, and hopefully do their part, you know, whatever that part is, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the best that you can do is an adoptive parent is to communicate or, or try to find out how to make things go as smoothly as possible and what you know needs to be done at the hospital so that you can you know, g- gain access and it can just run smoothly. And then from that the part, from that standpoint, the agency then has to take over and do what they do. And you yeah. hope it's done well, you know, so that there aren't <laughs> issues like this. There aren't issues when you come to the front desk and ask for the birth mother and don't know the last name and the hospital's requiring you to know a last name. Well, you can't see any patients here unless you have the last name, but we don't have the last name, you know, so that's what we ran into. Interesting. Yeah. In our case, <laughs> we did know the last name of the birth mother, but I've, that is interesting. If you didn't know, then yeah, you'd expect the agency to help you set that all up so there wouldn't be any questions. Right, right. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, that that sounds like probably one of the biggest obstacles you had during your your whole adoption journey. There's the hospital yeah. stay. Yeah. Yes. I mean that that was really the only one. Other than that, like I said, it went very smoothly. Very very smoothly. Our waiting time was literally less than a day. I put the profile in the mail, and they called me that the day I put them in the mail, and we were picked two days later. So it was very smooth. We can all dream. That so I that can't offer you any tips on waiting or dealing with anything like that. Or uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that we. Uh, it's a very. It's, it's an inspiring story because a lot of people feel or, or you see or you hear about a huge waiting time or all this problems that happen, and it's awesome to hear a story like yours because things can happen like this. It can happen fast. There can be a short waiting time. It can be a smooth process. And the only thing that you really dealt with was issues at the hospital. That's awesome to hear that those stories exist and it happens to people like you. So congratulations on that and uh, awesome how fast that happened. It, it happened very fast and, and uh, you know, I absolutely love it, you know, and I just feel very connected to him and I feel very strongly that this is where he was supposed to be. You know, he is my son. I feel very much like he is a part of me. You know, I and definitely do not believe that he has to be of my DNA, you know, to be my son or to feel as connected to him as I do and to also his birth mother. You know, she is welcomed in my heart. You know, and like I said, I put together this Christmas packet. Every letter that I write her, you know, I make a photocopy of and I save for him. So I'm creating a scrapbook for him with letters that I've sent to her because I think it's important for him to know um, how much I've reached out you know, to her and want her to be a part of his life, you know, when he gets older. And also things from daycare, like his daily sheets and paintings and pictures and other art projects. I've got a scrapbook like that that I've created for his birth mother that I'll be sending off um, to her. So I really want her to be included in his experience of growing up. Now, whether and how much she wants that, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. But this is sort of the dream that I have, you know, for it all. Yeah, and I've talked to birth mothers, and uh, not just of our children, but other birth mothers, and they uh, most often, and more than often than not, they say, you know, we cannot get enough information and pictures and letters and things going on about our children because they just want to know, one, they're safe, two, they're loved, they're being taken care of, they're growing up in a awesome environment and that, you know, they just want that reassurance. 
and to know that happens continually through the child's life is just gold for them. So that's awesome well, that you're doing I'm that. I'm glad because we haven't, uh, I, although every time that we see her, she tells me she made the right decision, you know, and is just so glad that she chose us, you know, and which always feels good to me because I've, you know, sometimes wondered, you know, I wonder if she's had, you know, thoughts about it. And, but she always reassures, even without me asking, she just comes forward and, you know, just says, I'm so glad that you guys you know, have him and just, just fantastic. Absolutely. That's, that's great. I'm glad you're doing all that because it's important for, like you said, for not only for the birth mother, but for your son. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For him. Awesome. Well, congratulations. And I appreciate your time on the, on the podcast today. Yes. Thanks for having me. Okay, everybody, oh, what a great interview or really a chat with Lisa Hamilton. Uh, you can hear the heart of a mother in her voice as she talks about her son and her uh, adoption story. So I really, it's just an awesome uh, story to hear and to hear her tell it. It was really great. Now, if you want to know more about her, she has a website. Uh, it's called The Conscious Runner at ConsciousRunner.com. If you want me to spell conscious for you, I can do that. C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S, consciousrunner.com. And you can read her about page. And it's all really about running, not just about running, but about uh, stretching yourself, about op uh, being really optimistic and inspirational and uh, being very uh, taking care of your mind and body and spirit all in one. So she does a great job on her website. I encourage you to go. Uh, check it out, and you'll learn a lot, lot more about her there. And I, I appreciate uh, everybody listening this week, and I look forward to bringing you much more uh, episodes in 2014. And until next time, uh, keep your head up and your chin up, and and I hope this really gives you some inspiration to continue your adoption journey and uh, keep focusing on your dream of becoming the mom and dad that you want to be. And we'll see you next time.